We can come with such an occasion to worship the King of Kings. Uh, we've come to bless His name and to, to celebrate this beautiful uh, opportunity that our Savior rose from the dead today, just a few years ago. That same Lord that resurrected Himself, we've come to invite Him with our worship, with our praise. We've come to lift up our voices and our hearts that that same King would come and be with us today. So I'd invite you to worship with us today. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your... Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Inspired by God, Jacob blessed Judah. Through the tribe of Judah, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, came. The Great I Am, the Lord of all. He broke the chains of sin, replaced by the hope of heaven. Against the Lion of Judah, the enemy cannot stand. Dominion and power belong to him. The Lion still roars. The stone still rolls. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals.
Aaliyah looks at uh, her three kids that she had born, her husband Jacob, and yet the Bible says that Jacob still hated her, still disapproved of her, and so she looks at that fourth baby, and she says that the world disapproves, my husband disapproves, but yet God still blessed me. And so now I'll name him Judah, which means now I will praise the Lord. That the, the world disapproves. My life's not going like I wanted it to. My husband doesn't love me, doesn't give me the intention that I wanted him to. But now I will praise the Lord because the Lord has been on my side. The Lord has blessed me today. Why don't that be our cry today, that we would lift our hearts to him? That's what we've come to do in the house of God today, to lift our voices, to lift our attention to him, that our life might not be going like we intended. Our, our world might not like us like we like them too, but I, now I will praise the Lord because he has been faithful. He has been good. He has been my sure place, my rock and my foundation. I trust in him. I hope in him. And now I will praise the Lord. That's Judah for us today. We've come to praise him, to invite his glory in the building. Amen. We're going to continue that praise and our worship unto him with our giving and our tithes and our offering. Today, uh, we'll be taking our Save Our Children offering. Uh, that's taken up all over our movement, all over the nation. What that is, uh, this offering goes to the children's ministry. Um, the Sunday school department, the orphanages uh, in the nation, and I, even out in the world, there's, there's orphanages here in the state. Um, th these finances are going to reach these kids that we can't get there ourselves. We not, might not be able to teach the Sunday school class uh, in those um, remote areas. We might not be able to help those kids ourselves in these orphanages, uh, but that's where our finances are going today. So we can go there with our giving today. This offering that we read together is not something that we just uh, read uh, without our hearts. We don't just read it because it's on a piece of paper or on the board. Uh, we believe this. And we pray it with our heart, believing the blessing of God and the favor of God. Because what we're praying is the word of God. This is scripture that we've ingrained in our prayer. And we've already seen the fruit of that. Amen. God's already doing it. The promises are being fulfilled because we're praying the living word of God. Job 22 and 28, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Upon the authority of your word, I have given, and it shall be given unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither, and I bring my tithe and offering today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked, and the curse is broken. I live under an open heaven, and you pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. 
We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished and royalties received. My whole family saved and walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in and I am blessed going out. And all that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. We say amen. amen. By faith, we believe it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Let's remember we won't be having any service tonight. Uh, we'll be home with our families, uh, spending time with each other and celebrating this beautiful um, uh, time that we have. I'm forgetting the word holiday. It's a holiday today. We're celebrating Jesus' resurrection today. Amen? Amen. Um, to all of our guests, our visitors that are here, we're blessed to have you. We love you in Indian Village. We're so thankful that you were able to be here. If you uh, didn't fill out a visitor's card, amen, we love you. If you weren't able to fill out a visitor's card yet today, if you would and return that uh, to the foyer, we have a gift of our appreciation to give you because we appreciate you being here. Uh, we're not interested in you joining a church today. We're not interested in you uh, signing some contract today. What we're all here for is the glory of God. We're here for the word of God to be allowed in our heart that we can leave this place changed. And we hope that you could join with us in our worship unto the King of glory today. We hope that you would feel the presence of God as it begins to move in our worship because we know that Jesus is here. That same resurrected Lord has decided to come where we are today. That's something worth praising about. Why don't we lift our hands? Why don't we lift our voices and our hearts and let's give him glory together because he's worthy.
Why don't somebody really praise him like he died on a cross and he resurrected? Why don't somebody praise him like he's not in a grave and he's here this morning? Hallelujah, he's worthy of the praise. He's worthy of all the honor this morning. Hallelujah, I praise him because he lives today. I praise him because he lives.
for the God that we serve that he would wrap himself in flesh come down on this earth and become a human like me and you and he would feel all the same feelings we're having and he would go through the same life struggles and he would want that he would hunger and he would thirst that he would know what his creation is feeling and he would allow himself knowing he could call all of heaven down where he was, he would allow himself to be beaten 39 times for our healings. He would allow a crown of thorns to be put on his head that our minds could be saved, that we could have peace, that we could have direction and clarity in our minds. And most of all, he would allow himself to be hung on a cross and feel the weight of sin rest upon him and not deliver himself. What a God we serve today. What an awesome God and a privilege we have to be able to worship Him together. I say all that to say that God knows where you are right now because He's been there. He may have not had the exact struggle that we read recorded in Scripture, but what He felt on the cross was what you're feeling right now. All of our loneliness, our fear, our pain, the infirmity in our body, He took care of all of that. The God that we've come to worship today, the God that we're going to lift our prayer to today, He's been there. And He's conquered it all because of His blood we can leave restored. Because of who He is and the power He's invested in His name, we can leave healed today. Do you believe that with me? Amen. Brother Keith Austin is in the hospital today. So we're going to lift him up, and I believe that God's going to touch him, and he's, his health is going to be restored today in the name of Jesus. If you've got a need in your body, would you lift your hands? You've got faith to believe that God can meet that need right now. You've got a situation. Would you lift that situation to him? Call that name out to him, and together as the body, let's go before him in prayer. Jesus, we're so thankful for the cross. By your stripes, we are healed. God, I thank you for the investment you've made in your name. By the authority of your name, we pray healing in this place. That your hand would begin to sweep in this place. That the anointing of God, the word of God, would begin to move on our hearts, on our minds. And that healing balm of Gilead would begin to restore the soul, the mind, the spirit today. And Brother Keith also is going to feel the hand of God rest upon him today. By the authority of the name of Jesus, we believe you for healing. We believe you for the miraculous, and we thank you in advance for the moving of your spirit. In Jesus' name, why don't we continue our worship to I asked him to sing this song this morning before we go into the Word. Peace is what Calvary brought. I want you today, just lift your hands. Visitors, we invite you to worship with us. There's a peace that's going to come to somebody's mind today. Come on, sing it. The peace of God's in this house today. You didn't just come to a church service. You think you may have come just for a 
and sing it. already paid the price for that you don't have to beg him all you have to do is just ask him Jesus I need you to touch my mind today and he'll do it just like that oh I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord that I feel here today what a beautiful crowd on this Easter Sunday visitors we welcome you and glad you're here in the house of the Lord today our Sunday school they're ready to go they've got a full day plan they can make their way to their classes this morning Hopefully we've got enough space in that building to house all these kids. We've got many today. Many, many, many. Many, many. Thank the Lord. 
take us a minute to get them all out. I hope y'all brought a lunch or something. They still heading out of here. got your Bibles, I want to read two passages of Scripture. Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And great power gave the apostles, original word there for witness, comes from the word we call martyr. But the definition before you get into the root word means evidence. With great power gave the apostles evidence of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, <clears throat> save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Going back to verse 1, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with the excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring the testimony of God. The word testimony there, again, connects to that word I read previously, witness, meaning the same, martyr or evidence. Paul was telling us that there is a evidence of the resurrection. Let's lift our hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, we need you today. Your word is powerful. But God, our hearts have got to be ready to receive it or it's just another sermon, another message. But God, I'm asking you today to do what only you can do in all of our hearts. Let it not just be another sermon or church service, but let it impact all of us to realize that God, you are for us. We ask it today in the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Paul, a writer... Two-thirds of the New Testament was wrote by the Apostle Paul. That is his latter name before it was changed. His original was Saul. His Roman name. Paul did not come from uh, the, the, I don't want to say the, the modern church concept that you and I have today. This would be very unfamiliar to the way Paul was, was raised. He was raised in Jewish uh, history and Jewish uh, teachings, the Torah and on and so forth, studying at the feet of Gamaliel. 
But you see, we take all of that and, and whether it would be this setting today or the setting that Paul was in, there's one common factor that we all have with Paul. We're all human. And there's nobody perfect and that some of the battles that you face, if you ask and took a survey across this congregation today, or we even could go back and ask Paul, the same challenges that they faced then are the same challenges you and I face today. The same battles that you and I face today would be the same battles they faced then. It might not be maybe with the, the electronics or the, uh, the age of innovation like that, but you, you understand there's still the same temptations, the same struggles, the same battles, the same elements of humanity. You wanted a title today, the best thing I could come up with is I'm tired of stories. I need a change. I'm tired of stories. I, I, I've been down the road long enough, Brother Roger, and I've heard some great stories in my life. One dear friend of mine, Brother Bushnell, will remember and recognize the same, Brother Ronnie Lacombe. He's a master storyteller. And I, Brother Ewing, my previous pastor, was a master storyteller. And I thank God for stories because they inspire us. They, they, they help us. They, they challenge us to some degree. But you know what? There's just so far a story can take me. There's just so far hearing that story. I may laugh a little bit. I may get a little bit of excitement or maybe even an inspiration. I may hear a moving story about a, a child or something, a family member. And, and it moves me because I want to be a better husband or a better father or a better saint of God. I want to do better. So it moves me just a little bit, but it never has the ability to keep me where I need to be. It never has the ability to hold me in place that I never digress. Is there anybody other than this preacher? I'm tired of moving forward and then getting knocked back five steps. Life has a way that no matter how hard I try to move forward five steps or one step, some days it's just maybe a baby step. I get knocked five back for the one I move forward. And no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I try to rein in my mind and say, no, I'm not going to let this do this to me again. I'm not going to let this situation happen to me again. I'm not going to let what I went through as a kid torment my mind again. I'm not going to let what happened to me, even though it was not my fault, I'm not going to let it bring me back to a past that I don't want to go back to anymore. I'm tired of stories. I need something that's going to help me hold my position in a difficult time that I'm living in. I wish I had about five people be honest. We're in a difficult day and life is difficult but there's a man by the name of Jesus Christ that he is more than willing to help you and I overcome whatever it is you're facing. It doesn't matter what it is. That's why I love Paul so much. Paul was a religious man, but he was a murderer. <laughs> I'm waiting for y'all to come on Easter Sunday. Get Easter bunnies out. How can you be religious and a murderer? Because we learned how to say I know God, but never really take 
the benefits of what he has to offer for you and I. Paul knew an element of God. He was studied. He more studied than me. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He understood the ins and the outs, the Hebrew. Man, I know just enough Hebrew to get myself in trouble. Yahweh, woo, that's it. That's all I know. One little word, and that ain't even a word. Paul knew it all. But you know what? Paul stood at the feet, or, or Stephen fell at the feet of his coat while they murdered Stephen, a disciple of our Lord. And there's Paul, the mighty Paul, the soldier Paul, the rough and tough Paul, the one that said he wears his wrangler so tight and his boots so shine. I'm waiting on some of y'all to pay. I'm talking to you. He just, he's a man's man, rides a bull and got a belt buckle bigger than his head. Now I got y'all's attention. That's Paul. He's a man's man. He's, there he stands, Sister Sandra, watching the death of Stephen. See, when Jesus died and he was buried and resurrected, that's what we're here for today is the resurrection, not his death. He already died. He's resurrected. It's the third day. And all the apostles are rejoicing of the power of the resurrection. But the writer, Luke of Acts, comes in and has to slip one in. And he says, this is before Paul. This is Acts chapter 4. This is before Paul's in the picture. And here was the testimony of all the apostles. They had a witness. They had an evidence that this resurrection was real. They're not talking about a tombstone that was just empty. That's one element. But they had a personal experience that knew the resurrection is real. What good is it for me to talk about a resurrection but never have the power of the resurrection that God is trying to give you and I? What good is it for me to hear about it but never partake of the power, the evidence that I didn't just hear a story but I've been changed. And that was the story of the apostles because it didn't matter what they faced. How much resistance, Brother Roger? It didn't matter. Whoever was against them, it didn't matter. If their family turned against them, if their friends turned against them, if the government turned against them, if everybody turned against them, it didn't matter to them. They had an evidence. I once was a liar. I once was an alcoholic. I once was a drug addict. But I've got evidence. I'm not that anymore. God has changed me through the power of the resurrection. I'm tired of stories I need a change yeah. tired but it'll just some it'll just keep being a story that we hear and our lives will go down the road of heartache after hurt, heartache Problem after problem, broken home after broken home, kids on drugs and alcohol and suicide passed on from the mamas and the fathers because they never could get a hold that it has to be more than a story. A mom and a daddy could change the verdict for your kids today. A mom and daddy could change the verdict of what your kids, they don't have to end up strung out on heroin. They don't have to end up strung, up, strung out on meth. But God can take a mom and a daddy and say, I've got evidence today. I once was bound by some things. I was once bound by some situations. I was bound by fear I was bound by depression I was bound by hopelessness And I heard a story It's not just a story that Jesus resurrected But it's alive 
The apostles just had evidence that the resurrection was real. It wasn't just a story for them, obviously. They had seen the empty tomb. But what about the next generation? that came after them that had never seen. What about little Johnny that was three years old that never saw the tomb empty? How did it perpetuate? How did it stay alive? How did it go from one generation to the next generation? Because the first generation had evidence, not just by an empty tomb, but they had an evidence of a change in their life. And God wants you and I to experience all that he has for us. But the challenge for many of us today, and so it is even for me, when I go and hear a preacher, or I go to a church service, I go to conferences and meetings all the time, hear preacher after preacher. But you know, every time I go to hear that preacher, Brother Bushdale, and I preacher myself, here's what I say. God, show me a side of you that I've never seen through that preacher. That I can change whatever it is in me that would hinder the power of God by moving in my life. So the disciples had the great power. They had evidence. But now we enter the story of Paul. Paul who studied, I said it, the feet of Gamaliel. He there stood while Stephen was murdered. How hard would that be? Now think about it, folks. Here's Paul. He's standing at Stephen's bloody coat. They murder Stephen and kill him. And there's Saul just standing there, Paul, standing there. Now, can you imagine in about four chapters later when Paul stands up to a pulpit and he starts preaching? And the grandmother of Stephen sitting out in the congregation. And she's having to look at the man that allowed her son, grandson, to be murdered. And we look at people and we look and say, it's your fault I'm the way that I am. It's your, you think mama and grandmother didn't have a tough hill to conquer and overcome and forgive? As Paul's up there preaching, God is good. God is faithful. God loves everybody. And old grandma's going back there. Yeah, right. Spitting out some. Back in my day, it was big league chew. Now it's beech nut chew or something. Grandma, I mean, man. Yeah, all right, sure, Paul. You're a liar. You know what she's saying? I will never forgive you for what you did to my son, Stephen, my grandson. The family connected to the atrocity that was done. You think they didn't struggle? I'm talking to you. Life is the same then it is this now. Forgiveness is the same then it is this now. People are going to hurt you. People are going to do you wrong. People are going to let you down. But Jesus Christ will never let you down. He will never hurt you. He's a friend that's thinketh closer than a brother. When your brother turns, God will never turn. When your family walks out, God will never walk out. And right there, a thought just came. You don't understand, Brother Benoit. I prayed and God still let him die. I prayed and my marriage still went belly up. I prayed and I still had these problems. And my answer for that, I got a good one for you. God never failed you. Man did. Man did. God don't fail. 
God don't drop the ball. God don't make a mistake. And when he went into that tomb, he had one objective, Brother Roger. When he went in, they're all crying and sad. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. You don't understand. He knew he was going in but coming out because there was going to be a group of people that weren't going to be able to overcome life. There was going to be a group of people that wasn't going to be able to overcome the situations that happened to them in relationships and people. So he went into a tomb with one objective. I've got to come out and show them there's power in my resurrection. And if they can partake of my resurrection, if they can be filled with my spirit and speak with other tongues, there's a resurrection power that will go into you that you can overcome whatever it is you're facing regardless of what your enemy said. Oh, and poor old Paul. You think he didn't have challenges? Murderer? And that's just the one we know. How many did he kill that we don't even know about? You say, I'm trying to get you to see Paul was like you and I. I doubt today. Please don't raise your hand. I have any murderers here. I got some close ones. Don't nudge right now. Husband and wife, stay put. I doubt we got an all-out murderer. I doubt we got a Charles Manson on our pew. God, hope not. But you got a Paul that thought, watch, he thought he was doing right when he was wrong. And he needed a change that he didn't even know he needed. And that's many times like us. We go through things in life And God's trying to, and I know it's Easter. Man, everybody comes on Easter. It's Easter. You know what? I really did pray and try to get a message for today. Contrary to what this is, I really feel today that God's trying to tell somebody, real simple, you've heard stories all your life, and you've tried doctors and pills, and you've tried preachers and churches, and you've tried people, and you've tried, uh, come on, folks, let's get honest, dope and alcohol and just all this pervert. You've done all that you can, and you still can't feel the void in your heart. I'm here to tell you, this ain't about a Pentecostal thing. That's so traditional. Do y'all know that Pentecost, we ain't even part of that whole... (laughs) Pentecost ain't even part of the Protestant Reformation. Pentecost, Pentecost is an experience. They lump us into denomination. We ain't a denomination. We're an experience. Why? Because on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and all. That was his, that was his word, his trying to appeal to the people that if you want something that's going to change you, It's not going to come through religion. It's not going to come through non-denomination. It ain't going to come through denomination. It's going to come through an encounter with Jesus Christ that when you repent of your sins. Folks, you say, well, Benoit, you don't know who you're talking. I wasn't raised on these pews. I was raised another denomination. My mama went to another something. I did good, Mom. I said I'm being nice. You went to something, and then my daddy didn't do nothing. Didn't do nothing. 
But you know what? In all of that, God saw a young teenage boy. That Brother Joe, I'd lay in them bunk beds in that 16 by 80 mobile home. And I'd cry and I'd say, God, I want to know you. God, I don't want to be lost. I, I need your help. I didn't know where God was, didn't know who God was, didn't know. But see, here's the thing. God knew I needed a change, even though I didn't know I needed a change. And what that change was, and time passes, and he shows up, Brother Joe, through a preacher, and says, hey, God wants to do something for you. And I go, this is what I've been waiting for. I'm tired of dealing with things in my mind that Brother Ed, I can't deal with on my own. Amen. Is there anybody that gets weary with the attack of the mind? You, you won't raise your hand now, but depression's got you so bound. You won't tell nobody, but your life's a roller coaster. That's why we buy new cars and we buy new homes. and we, It's just not just for betterment. We do it to try to fill a void in us. That's why everybody went and bought new clothes for Easter. That they can say, hey, I'm happy today. But really, when you go home tonight, and all the lights are out, and husbands and wives are to bed, and you're by yourself, you're wondering, God, where's my answer? You know what? You've heard story after story, and nothing's changed. You might not have murdered anybody like Paul, but yet, you know there's something more that God's got for you. That was Paul's ending. See, because there was something in him, even though he was doing wrong and thought he was doing right, on his way to Damascus to go kill some more people, God knocks him down and says, listen, you know, it'd be kind of rough. Somebody just knock you on your back. If I did that right now, Brother Joey would probably get up and knock my socks off. But let me ask you, if God knocked you flat on your back, would you get up and be mad? Or would you say, God, whatever you're trying to do, I need you to help me. Sometimes God's got to put us flat on our back. So our marriages go belly up. Our kids go crazy. Our emotions go crazy. Our health go crazy. And we're all thinking it's the devil. Really, it's God saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I got something more for you. You've been listening story after story after story. And it's never changed your family. But if you'll try this one thing, it could change your family forever. And Paul, my text, I'm closing. Musicians, y'all get ready. I'm coming, coming down. Ten minutes. Brother Mike, this is what I love. Find me for that, Sister Tanya, if you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. Now here it is. It's the whole punchline of the message. Brethren, I came to you not with excellency of speech, wisdom, and declaring unto you the testimony of God. Okay, you know what just happened? Y'all can read. You know what just happened? Let me give you his story, history. Let me give you the history. Paul left Athens in Acts chapter 17. Okay? Chronologically. He wasn't in Corinth. He left Athens. Hear me. This is the whole message right here. He left Athens. Who? Here's what Athens was. It was like Harvard. It was all this philosophical Greek mysticism and the highest levels of education that they thought they were so smart that they were, you thought it, not me. You said it. That was Athens. They had every answer for whatever question would come to them. 
And Paul came to them and watched them worship a statue that said to the unknown God. And Paul said, let me come to you now. And he goes, let me declare unto you him. He never said them. There's no God the Father, God the Son, Holy Ghost. There's not a triunity there. It's one God. Paul said, I declare unto you him, Jesus. That when you get Jesus in your heart, you get the creator, you get the Holy Ghost, you get the sun, you get the burning bush, you get the Alpha, the Omega, you get the beginning and the end, you get the Rose of Sharon, you get Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu. You get everything when you get Jesus. Paul said, I declare unto you him, one God. And watch what happened. Watch. Sister Debbie. So glad to see you in the house of the Lord today. She lost her father a couple of days ago. And Paul gave them the answer. Now watch what happens. People left him. And Paul never built a church in Athens. Here's why. Because they never realized they needed a change. And Paul left Athens. And Paul goes to Corinth. And when Paul gets to Corinth, here's what he says. I just left a place that they thought they had it all together. They've got it all figured out. They've got an answer to every bit of life's problems through philosophy and Greek understanding. They're educated. They're the smart. And I'm not against education. I got a college degree from McNeese. Good. What I'm saying is, is this. I can't let my education, I can't let my past, I can't let my present, I can't let anything separate me from what God's trying to do for me. Because really at the end of the day, Brother Roger, this old world's going to pass away. It's going to fade away. The government's going to go belly up. Social Security's going to eventually leave. Martial law's going to come. And where are you and I going to be left? We're going to be beating on the doors of a church trying to say, I need an answer. What do I do with my family? God's telling somebody today, I've got an answer for you now. The Holy Ghost and the presence of the Lord can help you through whatever you face. You don't have to face it alone. If we face it alone, it'll be our choice. And Paul says, I, brethren, I come. I'm not coming with fancy words, excellence of speech, because I just left Athens, and all they wanted to do was gather around and hear something new with wisdom. He said, I'm not coming with that. I'm coming to declare to you a testimony. You know what he was saying, Brother Clifton? I was a murderer, but I stand here forgiven. I was a, I, I, I did things I should have never done, but I stand here with a testimony that I'm forgiven. Next verse. For I determined not to know anything save Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm not in this for no other reason, but I just want to know God. I just want to know God. And God can help me through whatever life situations I face. Next verse. I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. What Paul said was, I've been through some battles. I've been through some times, Brother Ed, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I've been through some struggles in my family. I didn't know if I was ever going to come out. Paul said, I've been through fear. See, we think Paul's a super apostle. Paul was man just like you and I. He faced fear. He faced trembling. He faced weakness. For us as a man, by the way, that's so contrary. I can't show weakness. When in Christ, he's trying to say, your weakness is what attracts me to you. That's why somebody here today, you may be on your lowest day. You may be your worst day. You, we all dressed up real good and hopefully smell real good right now. But you hear me. We may be at our lowest point. 
but you got God's greatest attention when you're the weakest. And God's looking at your weakness right now. He's looking at what's not together and you're trying to do your best. And he's saying, here it is. I'm not just giving you a story that he rose from the dead. I'm ready to give you an experience that he rose from the dead. I'm going to show you what you cannot do. You can do through me. I've seen many people go through AA. I've seen many people go through. I was in San Francisco. Man, listen, I was right in the missions district. I was right there where all the homeless were. I worked in the Tenderloin district where all the homeless people lived and the addictions. And they're shooting up right there on the street. And I've seen them go through the process and never get free. Never get free. But then I've seen them, Leslie, come off the street. And when they come off the street, they walk into that church, they throw their hands up. They repent of their sin and God fill them with the Holy Ghost. And they never went back to the street again. What the system couldn't do, the Holy Ghost did. You say, well, you don't understand, Ben Wall. Let me give you another scripture then. There was a man in the gatherings. I used it Wednesday night. He was full of legions of devils. Full of them. That's real. Full of devils. And you know what happened when Jesus showed up? Hayden, that man ran from the tombs to Jesus. You know what it tells me? There's not one spirit. There's not one devil. We blame it on everything else. There's not one thing that can stop you and I from coming to the feet of Jesus. If we really want something to happen. This has come. I'm done. He said, I was with you in fear and trembling. Next verse. Here it is. And my speech and preaching was not with enticing words. You know what he said, Steve? I'm not coming to you with a fancy story today. Because stories don't get the job done long term. They'll inspire you. They'll move you. But there's only one thing that's ever going to help you and I overcome. Folks. We're already in a battle of the mind right now. That's why I got her to sing that song. I just felt for somebody today, you needed to feel the peace of God. But listen to me. That peace don't have to be just here on Sunday morning. That peace could go home with you. That peace could go home with your marriage, your family, your kids. Keep that for me. I've always used the example or I use the analogy. What good is it for them to flip that light switch on and off in the back if we don't turn that switch on this place is in darkness it's just real simple brother Roger I got power to the building but I cannot see what good does it do to have power coming to the building but I don't flip the switch what good does it do to hear an Easter sermon message come to church next Wednesday or Sunday I'm preaching to everybody included this preacher What good does it do for me to just go through the motions and say I know God but never flip the switch and experience the power of God in deliverance and freedom in my life. And that's all God's trying to say to all of us today, preacher included. I I, I need more of His presence. And if I can get more of His presence, Sister Dean, I can get more of His power. Stand with me. Peter, Paul closes it like this. I'm not coming to you with another story. That's going to tickle your ear. I kind of feel like Paul today. I didn't come to you with an iPad and a homiletically lined out message. And that's good. I'm not downing that. I'm saying I come to you with what I feel in the Holy Ghost for somebody today. I didn't give you a story. I'm giving you his story. And now it can be your story. 
that changes everything. He said, but I come in a demonstration of spirit and power. You know what he just said? Brother John, he said, I'm coming with his presence. And when I bring his presence, I bring his power. And that's what's here today is his presence. Next verse, Sister Tanya, that your faith should stand. You know why all this happens? Because God don't want your faith to be in a church, a preacher. We need all that. But you know what God wants your faith to be in? A God that will never fail you. We have turned preachers into celebrities and churches into celebrities and saints into celebrities. You know what? Ain't nobody a celebrity but Him. And ain't nobody else matters but Him. And today God's asking somebody, are you just tired of stories and you're ready for something to change in your heart and your mind? If you are, He wants to do that today. I think it'd only be good right where you are. Grab the hand to the person next to you. Family to family. We're all mostly sitting with families. Take that hand and just stretch it to the heavens right now. Close your eyes. Nobody's going to touch you. No, nothing's going to happen. Singers are getting ready to sing. But here's what I want you to do. Just close your eyes right now. Just to, reason I ask you to close your eyes, we're not doing nothing. We're not going to sprinkle no dust on you. Freak you out. I just want you to focus. Some people can't focus without closing their eyes. Just close your eyes and ask God to help you right now. I feel depression and hopelessness in this place. And it wants to go, but it's going to take you opening your mouth right now. It's going to take you opening your mouth right now. Altar workers, while they're praying, I need you to step out of that pew and come up to the front right now. I need altar workers now. Please come very quickly, altar workers, and come up to the front while they're still praying. Come on, altar workers. Come on, church, keep praying right now. Just close your eyes, lift your hands. Nobody's going to pray for you right now. You're praying right now in your pew by yourself. Come on, it'd be a good time right now to repent. Come on, just keep your eyes closed. Focus on Him right now. Don't get distracted by people. Nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to pray for you other than the hand you're holding. Ask God right now to forgive you. God, forgive me. God, if I took a wrong turn, maybe I did something I shouldn't have done. Come on, that's repentance. Let it be real today. God, I forgive. God, I forgive them that offended me. I forgive them that hurt me. I forgive my friend, my neighbor, my family. 